0: Assalamu and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Dr. Kimberly McLeod who's going to be coming on and talking about her journey into education, the educational consulting company she founded, as well as the work that her company uh, does. And I wanted to bring her on uh, to share her gems, her journey, and hopefully give you insight into the work that an educational consultant does that may help you take your business to the next level. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, said Apple Podcast already, iHeartRadio, Sticker, and Cast and Spotify. Will you please introduce yourself, Dr. McCloud?
1: Good morning, and thank you, Dr. Will. Um, my name is Kimberly McCloud, and uh, I am a career educator. I uh, started my career as a pre K teacher assistant, then became a school teacher, school counselor, school administrator, professor, dean, executive director. Um, But I'm really an entrepreneur that is clothed in academic regalia. And I've been an entrepreneur, I think, my entire life. Um, And then I'm a mom. I had three boys in high school, 9th, 10th, and 11th. I call them the musty years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. So what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to education?
1: You know, um, as a child, you probably have so many career transitions as you journey and you grow. Um, in high school, uh, I wanted to be a state senator. That was one of my goals was to, to hold an elected office. Um, and now this year, I'm running for state board of education for the state of Texas. So I'm running for an elected office here, although it's not a senate office Um, It's addressing that need to create and write policy that benefits our community and not just be the recipients of what other people draft for us, but be at the table to create what we need for our community. Um, My journey into education, I think when I went to school um, at University of Houston from San Antonio, I don't think I knew I was going to go into education. my parents. My father was a career uh, military man, but retired and went into education. My mother was in education, um, but it just happened to be what I was naturally good at. Um, but all the while, um, while teaching, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I opened up two childcare centers while teaching. I um, had the dream as a teacher. Started. Collecting materials, had a storage facility to store that. So when the dream and the reality came face to face, I was ready. I didn't have to get ready. Yeah. Um, and becoming an author, uh, I realized the benefit of creating my own publishing company and um, saw the value in keeping some of that profit as opposed to, although that Not to say there's not value in having a big publishing house promote you. Um, I've seen a lot of authors do that themselves and create extreme success. So I've had the opportunity to do that and help other people get published and um, put their work out there.
0: So you are the founder of Creative Energy LLC. What is the company's mission and what were you seeing or weren't seeing that inspired you to create, to do the work that you're doing?
1: So creative energy LLC, um, started out, um, pretty much just a publishing company. Um, being a professor, there's this same publisher parish, and there's some act, some truth to that, that if you don't have publications that, um, you don't get tenure and you, which means you don't have a job. But um, so I started writing in national and international peer review journals um, and then school districts that I, work, I was working with wanted more. And so that's when I started creating books and materials and then started creating children's books and fiction books. Um, and then from there, promoting just the written material, there was also a need for corresponding professional development. Um, And that's what creative energy is. It embodies the creative element and energy that drives out of the box innovative thinking. And so the professional development and the consulting specifically, um, I would say this is for people who lead industry in any area, but specifically from the field of education, I think the highest request I get is for people who want to become more culturally responsive. Um, specifically schools that are under this demographic transition is what they call it and not really prepared to address the needs that the this transition is requiring is when I come in and support them doing the work under creative energy. Mm
0: -hmm. So take me back to when you made the decision uh, to become a coach and a consultant. What were you hearing from friends, family, or colleagues?
1: You know, for those that are considering entrepreneurship, um, one of the things, the lessons that I learned is um, everybody doesn't have your vision, and they mm. can see what it is that you can see um, or realize the talent you have to bring that to fruition. So a lot of people around me were telling me what I could not do, what I wasn't able to accomplish. And what they were really saying is, I don't see how I can do it, so I don't think you can do it. Um, and the reality is <clears throat> you have a choice to believe that or not. And I chose to, they can say whatever they want and I would hear it and I would receive it, I'd say thank you and then I'd go on and do what I need to do. Um. People were telling me I couldn't get a doctorate and the master's at the same time. I worked on a bachelor's, two masters, and a doctorate all before thirty at the same time. People were telling me you can't open a school. How are you going to do that? Um, and then you just you create the vision and the provision in spite of what anybody else believes because they don't have your vision. Um, and so with that, it's who are you? When it gets hard and it gets tough and it gets painful and it gets lonely, do you keep going or do you quit in spite of the pain? And quitting is easy, but pressing through, you get a chance to see what you're made of. And so for myself, um, pressing through and creating beyond the imagination what even I thought I could do, I keep pushing myself to see what else I can do if I don't quit when it gets hard. What else can I become if I don't stop when no one else understands? And so to me, that's, that's the heart of entrepreneurship is to keep going in spite of, and sometimes it hurts. You just have to pick up the hurting and and take it with you and keep going.
0: So how did you learn the business side of running a consulting company and how long did it take you to actually get up on the ground working with teachers?
1: So, um, one of the things I learned early on with the childcare business is, um, you can't be an expert in everything. And because I'm, you know, such a, uh, aggressive learner, um, I was like, okay, well, I don't know enough about law. Let me go to law school. Um, I don't know enough about this aspect. Let me go take some classes in accounting and let me do all of these things. And the reality is it's too much. I, I don't say to myself, you know what? I'm sick. Let me go to medical school so I can diagnose myself. So, um, I had to learn certain aspects and then learn who I could call and who was in my network and my circle, who were experts in those other fields that can give me the knowledge that I needed. Um, And so at the very beginning, I did some um, uh, low-cost intervention, like I had prepaid legal. And then I had an attorney firm that I could call for all types of legal questions. So the business side, and then I had to hire an accountant. I just had to pay the money so I would not get in trouble with the IRS um, and do what was necessary. Then the marketing side, um, a lot of that I had to do on my own, but I hired a graphic artist to make sure that what I put out there was top-notch. And so um, actually getting the work out there is one thing but then you said how do you build the audience and continue with the audience um you have to be good (laughs) and so it's not just being able to put the package together but you've got to be able to execute that and leave an impact that changes people's minds and life um and so that piece is probably my greatest gift is the creative part um although you become good at so many other things because you have to be able to survive. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And so I see that you focus on culturally responsiveness, uh, culturally responsive teaching that people call it. You just mentioned how you get good at so many things. And that's what happens to a lot of educators, because if you, are teaching 7th grade you're teaching a whole bunch of stuff in 7th grade if you are an elementary teacher if you're not uh compartmentalized where you're saying okay I'm just I'm just going to do ELA then you're teaching ELA and science and history and social studies all of that stuff and you're really wearing a lot of hats as a teacher for a lot of, a lot of times yes when when that teacher is deciding you know I would like to open up a consulting uh, business. How do they look at not only what they do well, but look at the experience they have in order to to create that specific niche to where they're going to work forward from?
1: Yeah. So what I would encourage um, teachers or anyone that's trying to get into this space is you need a mentor. You need someone who has walked this path. And can guide you along the way. You cannot figure out all of this by yourself. Um, I start when I really started consulting. I was a school counselor, and my mentor, who was a who's a great friend now, um, his name is Eric Cork. And um, he, I had my first presentation at a conference, and he looked at it. He's like. No, this is not gonna work. And he edited it and reframed it and reworded it. He says, publish that as your abstract. I put that in the conference proceedings. My session was full. Um, from that session, I had two or three other calls saying, We want more, can you come visit our district and give it to us? Um, and so part of that is you gotta have a mentor. You gotta, you know, before him I had a principal who was uh saw more in me than I could see in myself. And um, she took me to my first conference and she goes, next year you're going to be presenting. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to get in front of all of these people with these fancy titles and fancy degrees. There's no way I can do it. But along the way, she kept putting me out in public and having me do these, this, this and that. And then next year I presented, and it was a huge success. That was my first step into it. Um, but after that exposure, um, when I got a few calls and people were willing to pay me to do the work, we'll pay you $300 to do a workshop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then you figure out how to do an invoice. You figure out how to write a, a proposal. You figure out how to give a quote. You figure out, you know, those other little pieces. Um, But for teachers that want to do this, one, you need to have a coach to kind of, at least to get you started, um, to kind of see you through, because you're not going to know the terrain like someone who's been out there knows the terrain. Um, and, And then you need to put yourself in public spaces where your audience is going to be. So I went to conferences where the audience that I wanted, they were at. And then I spoke in front of them by submitting proposals um, and doing workshops. Um, But two, you can have the desire, but you also have to have the talent. And if you don't think that you have what it takes now, build yourself up. I mean, even athletes, they train to become the best. They're not born the best. And then you have some that have more natural talent than others. But some people work harder at it and do better at it because they work for it. And so to get good, you really have to um, you have to build your capacity. How I present and speak now is miles ahead from where I started. Because the more I do it, the better I get at it. And I'm still a work in progress.
0: Mm. So please walk us through... The workshops and services you offer
1: so um because of my career and early childhood and opening up two uh daycare centers i do have books and an ex- expertise in early childhood but the work that seems to get the most value is people want to become less biased they want less biased schools um you know, there's this quote that says, um, our students don't need more grit. They need schools to be less racist. Mm-hmm. And um, and you have some people who really want to um, create equitable learning environments where bias does not disrupt the learning process. And that's the workshops. Those are the workshops that I think, are in the highest demand, um, both domestically and in North America, oh, in Canada, um, and those workshops really not only create a new paradigm of understanding, um, it creates a life shift on how you see yourself with, with before you even get to the school community with yourself, with your family, with your community, and how that identity has an impact of all of those that are around you, including learners. Um, those shifts um, create the academic outcomes that we want for our students. So that's, those are the services that I get the most um, requests for the culturally responsive. Um, being able to see the world um, and embrace it in spite of differences in color and language and height and weight and in income and all of those other factors that classify and divide us, but understanding those, those factors that unite us.
0: Mm. So how does a, 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 once they have determined their niche, how do they begin to package it out to where it looks like a complete program where they can go beyond the one and done right so anybody can put it together uh, uh, an eight-hour workshop you come in you go and you leave but a school district may say we love what you're doing we want you here uh coming in you know once a week for a month or we want you we want to contract you to continuously deliver pd how does a teacher Take what they're doing and can create that full program to where they can actually create sustainable work with the school district and not be that hired gun for the one in and one out.
1: Yeah. Um, so that you you know that entrepreneur, that teacher, that consultant has to create and build that package. A friend of mine um, who. Attended one of my workshops as an assistant principal that I'm so proud of. He called, he goes, Kim, I want to step out and do this on my own. He's an educator. And he did it. And it's been five years since he's been on his own. And he's grossing over $3 million a year, and, which is way more than what I've done. And, um, but what he did is what you just said, is he created that sustainability model. And then when you work with a district, he was able to work with multiple schools in that district. And so even with my work, um, some districts will call me because it's a checkbox in um, what they need to do for culturally responsive work. But then you have some districts who really want to do this work done. And so you create and you build that sustainability p- package. Um, but most important, I just can't stress this enough. It's like you go to a restaurant. If the food is bad, you don't go back. <laughs> you go back to restaurants when you enjoy the food. And it's the same thing with consulting. There's so many consultants out there that, <laughs> first of all, it's, it's hard to get work if, if people have not seen your work or heard about your work. And that's why you've gotta get in front of audiences where your 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 niche is. Um, and then second of all, your message has to be so impactful and so good that people wanna come back. They want more. Um, and so I, that's how my, my work actually started. I did a workshop, they liked it so much, they said, okay, what's part two? Well, I hadn't created part two. So I had to go back and create part two and then they wanted part three and part four and then they said, okay, You need to, we need more, we need more. So then I wrote my first book, my first textbook for that district that now I share all over because they wanted the conversations to keep going even when I was not there. And so you have to build that in, you have to create it, but you've got to be effective and impactful enough that people want more. It can't just be a good meal. It's got to be a meal like, golly. That's one of the best meals I've ever had. Nobody else can make shrimp like this. And then you go back to that one place for that because that you, you remember that. Your taste buds remember that. Um, and so, you know, you know, I said it earlier. You just can't have the willpower. You've got to have the skill set. And so mm-hmm. you've got to develop skill and will at the same time. You've got to be hungry enough to keep going when it, you can't see the other end. But you've got to be talented enough to where what you're delivering um, is making a difference.
0: Mm. Where can teachers go to get that skill from? And I ask because last year in March, I released The Entrepreneur. And this documentary is about educators who become uh, entrepreneurs so they create education based or education focused companies and one of the people in the documentary dr jackson talked about how there is no canon business canon for what we do that the vast majority of the business canon is is written by entrepreneurs that have nothing to do with education and they're creating businesses out there for the you know, the general public and they don't have an understanding of our market. They don't understand an understanding of what we do. And so what you're doing is basically just out there sort of finding what you can find to synthesize it and make it work for you and how we actually need to create that business canon that is specifically for our market. Mm-hmm. How does an educator begin to, I guess, skill up so they can scale?
1: Um, you know, every idea is a spark of energy, and sometimes that spark is a catalyst for a fire, and sometimes it burns and smolders out. Um, Part of uh, building that canon is, you know, identifying the need or uh, whatever that specific need is. And, you know, I can't emphasize enough the strength of a network. I have this idea. Um, what do you think? Give me some feedback, some input, um, and then taking a risk and just submitting a proposal to a conference, a workshop, and putting it out there. If it's, if it's something that's professional development, if it's a, a product or a concept for a product, um, maybe educational technology, um, then you need to be able to build the prototype. And so sometimes when you have um, two or three people that are willing to invest with each other in the idea, um, there's, there's all kinds of ways to um, build that prototype. Um, and then once it's built, Um, How do you pilot it? How do you market it? How do you have evidence that it works? I built uh, one time an educational software based upon a need that I found um, that had merit. I found someone who uh, was a programmer. I said, this is my idea. Um, I need you to help me build this first prototype. Um, I paid for it with the money, the, the small profits I was making from um, my um, daycare business and um, it was really daycare consulting. I had a daycare but then daycare consulting business, paid for it. I gave him the idea in July. He had the prototype by September. I tested it on my students in October through December, by February, I had $50,000 in sales. Mm. And, um, and so what I learned from that was um, you can build it, you can test it, but I didn't have all of the background. I didn't have the engineering mindset. I had the creative mindset. And that's where that business part comes in. You can have an idea, but if you don't have the business understanding to help undergird that it'll topple. And then I hit my first roadblock and I didn't know how to get past that. And so I'm saying that to say how the teachers develop that skill set. I can't speak for everyone and I can only speak from my experience. I had to learn by doing, I had to just get out there and I had to just try. And I just had to see, you know, I had to fall down to learn how to get up. And, um, failure, there's this quote and it says, failure is always temporary unless you quit and make it permanent. Failure was my learning. That was my my studio. That was my classroom. Teachers want to build that skill set. You got to get out there. You got to put it out there. And you got to, you know, um, I think it's Gandhi that says, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. Mm-hmm. And um, so many lessons I've learned because I've fallen down, but I got right back up. And I'm like, okay, I know not to do that. I got to try this. You know what? I need to call this person and reach out to them and figure out how do I – and I did, and I found freelance websites. You you just have to get out there and just do it. Um, I think that's been the best teacher in addition to having that network and mentors, people to call. Um, but when it's a good idea, whether it's a concept, a product – Um, if it's really good, people will invest in the concept, but more importantly, you can have a good concept, but they also invest in you. If you don't, if they don't believe you can carry it to fruition, um, they won't invest in the product. Even if it's a good product, if they don't believe you're going to be the one that can carry it across the finish line, they're not going to support you. Um, and when I say support, I mean financial support. And um, I think that's the key, develop that skill set. You just got to get out there. I think, uh, what was that book, The Lean Startup? And then read. You know, I read a lot. I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, To develop that skill set, you just got to get out there and just do it. You can't hold back.
0: Mm.
1: When you hold back, other people aren't, and they're going to be ahead of you.
0: So for those teachers and school districts that you work with, what do you hope they take away from the work that you do?
1: You know, one teacher said this, and it has such an impact. She says, you know what? It's like you reached into us, and you grabbed our heart, and you pulled it out, and you said, now look at it. And what I want them to walk away with is an ability to understand self first. Um, you don't treat a problem if you don't believe one exists. Mm. And to be able to have those real honest reflective conversations um, where people understand, you know what, maybe there's some more work I need to do in order to have an impact on my, the community. Um, I want them to walk away with the understanding that they have the competence and the skill level to produce a desired result in their learners. Um, but they've got to believe that they can first. They've got to believe that black children and Hispanic children and children who don't speak English and who learn differently and who are poor, um, who may be, whatever it is that they bring to the table, that they are just as capable as anyone else. And Mm. they're capable in teaching
0: them. Mm. So before we go, what is your advice to those educators who are thinking about uh, becoming educational consultants, but they don't know where to start? And what is the one thing that they have to get done right? Um,
1: My first piece of advice would be read do your homework um, read what other people have done um, what works what doesn't work read the data read the research number two go on linkedin reach out to people and find out who someone who's doing it they'd be willing to share their story um, and then three you've got to organize so Um, Are you going to organize like as a sole proprietorship, an LP, an LLC, a 501c3? How do you want to organize um, and get the help you need to do that? And then four, be prepared to market your program, but be able to also measure the effectiveness of it. Um, One thing you have to get right in order to be successful, Um, and I've said it before, you've got to have the skill set but you also have to have the willpower because that day is going to come. It's going to get hard. Um, I think Churchill says, when you're going through hell, keep going. Um, You've got to be able to walk away with enough faith that you are the right person to do this work.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, uh, doc, for coming on the show.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation.
0: You are welcome. Now people, you know how I do this, this podcast episode, We'll be going up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe, follow, leave your comments, rate it, because not only am I trying to be found, people, I'm trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Kimberly McLeod, for coming on and dropping so many gems, and I'd like to thank you, coming on and checking out another episode of the Dr. Wheel Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people invest in you, EDU, peace.